Outside Sarin, Southern Rajava, April 2015. I have had many names. Sora as a boy in Kurdistan. Darren in my British passport. But as a sniper, I went by Azad, which means free or freedom in Kurdish. During the war, my name would remind me of a Kurdish saying, that the tree of freedom is watered with blood. It's a proverb about righteous sacrifice, about how liberty is never easily given, but requires long and painful struggle. And perhaps one day enough of our women and men will have fought and died, that we will live in a world of peace, equality and dignity, drinking water from the mountain spring and eating mulberries from the trees. But Kobani was not that world. In Kobani, we lost thousands and we killed thousands. And it was like that, feeding the earth of our homeland drop by drop that we nursed and raised our freedom. I had been fighting for 16 months in Kurdish territory in northern Syria by the day in April 2015 when I was asked to leave my position on the Eastern Front, close to the Turkish border, and join an advance on our southwestern one. We had recaptured Kobani in January. In the battles since, we had pushed the jihadis back far enough in every direction that crossing our territory was no longer a short dash through the streets, but a five-hour drive across open country. As we set off, to the north across the Turkish border, I could make out the snowy peaks where they say Noah beached his ark. Below them, rolling towards us, were the wide, grassy valleys and pine forests of Mesopotamia, the land between the Euphrates and the Tigris, where our people have lived for 15,000 years. As we drove further south, the slopes eased into prairie farms and bare earth hills that rose and fell like the swell on a big sea. When the sun began to dip, I watched the late afternoon light play on the last of the apricot blossom and the red and yellow poppies by the side of the road. Soon it was dark. The old farmer's pickup in which I was travelling was in a terrible condition. No suspension, nor lights, nor much tread on its tyres, and the roads were rutted and slippery. I am not sure we managed more than twenty miles an hour the entire journey. At one point, we came across a group of our women comrades, sitting around a fire and stopped for a glass of black tea. Finally, at 11pm, long after I was numb with bruises, we arrived at a small settlement of fifty mud-walled houses, some of them bearing the familiar signs of invasion, bullet holes, RPG splashes, and the jihadis' black graffiti. There I was asked to a briefing with the commanding officer, General Media. Medya was in her thirties and a veteran of more than a decade of fighting. She went into battle with her long black hair tied back in a ponytail and a green headscarf tugged down above her one working blue eye. One thing that outsiders always find surprising about the Kurdish resistance movement is our insistence that women and men are equal in all things, including war. In our People's Protection Units, a volunteer has to be 18 to pick up a gun, but otherwise all that matters to us is whether you are sharp and useful, not where you are from, and certainly not the accident of your gender. Men and women fight alongside each other in separate entities. The YPJ, or Yekinean Palestina Jean, 
pronounced yek inayin, parastina gene, for women, and the YPG, or yekinayin parastina gel, pronounced yekinayin parastina gel, for men. And the women fight, kill, and die as hard as the men, as Isis can attest. We often talked about how confused the Islamists must have been to find a woman standing over them in their last moments. If they left this earth in doubt, then it made us doubly sure that we were the perfect army to defeat them.